0: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas, and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government in our name treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. It's hard to go on living when your future is denied.
1: Good morning and welcome to this bright and sunny Sunday. My name is Amanda and it's a pleasure to be with you on the airwaves for this, our first show for 2016. You're listening to 3CR's Refugee Radio. It's 10am and I'll be with you for the next half hour. This morning on the show, I'm very excited to be interviewing live in our studio, refugee rights activist Carl Florek. Carl is originally from Poland and moved to Australia when he was six years old, but has been living in England for the past 15 months. Karl is a long-term activist and has been an active organiser and participant in various campaigns, both in Australia and in England, and is currently involved with the group Australians and Allies Overseas Against Mandatory Detention. He'll be speaking with us today about his perspective and experiences of the refugee rights movement in the UK as well as the relationship between the anti-war movement and the refugee campaign in England. Express Media is proud to present issue 102 of Voiceworks, Defiance, featuring more of the best fiction, non-fiction, poetry and visual art from young Australians. This issue of Voiceworks takes you from phantasms to canine astronauts, exploring sheep dips and shipwrecks, and is available from all good bookstores and online. If you're a writer or an artist under 25, send us your work. Check out our website, voiceworksmag.com.au. Voiceworks is
0: a 3CR supporter.
1: Welcome to the show, Carol, and thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks a lot, Amanda. Thanks for having me on. Um, and I am very happy to be here and to be in Melbourne on this amazingly warm and scorching morning. <laughs> must I've seem, missed it.
1: It must seem scorching after England. <laughs> I would also like to point out to our listeners that Carol has the honor of being my first guest, who has roused himself to actually come into the studio for a 10 a.m. interview on a Sunday morning And he flew all the way over from England to be here. So all of those previous guests who live in Brunswick and couldn't make it in, you know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you again for being here. How long have you been involved in Australians and Allies Overseas Against Mandatory Detention? And I guess what was the purpose of the group starting up?
0: Yeah, so Australians and Allies Overseas Against Mandatory Detention is a a new political project that was uh, launched just a bit over a year ago. Um, I became involved uh, around February last uh, year uh, when we were doing um, um, we were doing uh, coordinated global actions uh, that really kind of started off fairly spontaneously in different cities around the world It was actually you Amanda who contacted us at one point and said why yes it wouldn't it be great if <laughs> <laughs> there were solidarity actions around the world and it so turned out that um, really the time was right for it and there were a lot of, uh, turns out that there are a lot of Australians overseas uh, in various cities, I mean in London, uh, in Cambridge, uh, in uh, in the US, in New York, um, in, uh, we, had, we had actions in Berlin, uh, in Geneva, we had, we had a, a good thirty c- cities at one point that were participating in some of our solidarity activism. Um, often very simple actions involving a few people who might be living, studying or travelling uh, in a place uh, at, at, at the time. Um, and we, had, uh, we produced a few videos, we produced a few uh, projects that basically we did uh, largely in order to show to ourselves and to um, the rest of the movement in Australia that actually we can coordinate things like this. But because it is a new project, it's only been around for a year. Um, there's a lot that's um, that we're looking to to do this coming year now. Particularly as I guess we see um, the whole campaign, the whole refugee justice campaign, uh, really heating up. And I feel I feel like in the last year that I've been gone, there's been so much that has happened in Australia. Um, and really, what we want to do is amplify, help amplify some of these developments and uh, help make links with with, with, uh, with refugee rights activists around the world too, which is very important to actually internationalise uh, our resistance to our government's horrible politics.
1: And so this particular angle, it's not really one that's being explored a whole lot of, I guess, applying pressure from outside Australia mm. but still on the Australian government. Um, I think it's, it's a really positive step that, that Australians and allies overseas has been formed. Um, one of the things that, and I'm I'm quite sure I'm not the only person who experiences this, is when you talk to people from other countries about mm. Australia. One of the things that we're known for internationally is our refugee policy, um, and it's it's met with sheer horror by so many sections of. Communities outside mm. Australia, mm. Um, and so that this can tap into that, I guess, as well as the Australians who might be travelling or studying overseas. I think, um, yeah, is is a really positive step forward. Yet, yet another pressure point, I suppose, that we can be applying, applying some pressure.
0: That's right. And one of the things that really surprised me, uh, in a way, I thought, you know, getting uh, there's around. Uh, between a hundred and two hundred thousand Australians that are uh, in London at any one time. And really what I expected in some ways was that we could sort of network with with activists um, who are Australian. and we we have been mani- we had managed to do that locally. Uh, but what actually really surprised me is just the level of uh, I guess familiar familiarity that uh, a lot of British people have with Australia, and really also, the memory of the anti-apartheid movement is is really there. And I mean, mm. where we've been uh, uh, staging our, a lot of our uh, regular protests, uh, we've been doing daytime protests outside of the um, Australia House, the, the High Commission there, uh, which is quite a... It's a big building, and it's a big... Uh, it's, it's a very busy building. Um, and uh, it is a block uh, from the South African embassy, where, of course, there was the... Uh, really um, big campaign in the 80s and 90s against the uh, against apartheid it's a campaign that Jeremy Corbyn was involved in it's a campaign that is very familiar to a lot of people in Britain um, and so when when British people they have connections with Australia in many ways and if not direct connections through through friends or family or other people who who they are, uh, uh, you know, sort so of, there's, there's a consciousness of what's going on in Australia, much much greater than I expected to find. And uh, in a way, I think that that kind of way of looking at Australia, similarly to, uh, well, to what was happening in South Africa. Of course, there are very big differences, but I think we can definitely uh, start that conversation across uh, internationally about what 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 is happening in Australia in a way that actually connects to. Struggles that happen in um, in in countries uh, in other countries like Britain, and Britain at the moment is a very exciting uh, politically, it's a very exciting place.
1: yeah, I think um, I think that's a very good segue for one of the questions that I'm <laughs> really dying to ask you, which is, I guess, um, Australians and allies overseas against mandatory detention. How do you see that fitting into the broader movement in support of refugees in the UK? Um, mm. you, you mentioned Jeremy Corbyn. Um, there is actually a Labour leader who knows how to labour mm. over in the UK <laughs> at the moment, um, which we we you know desperately lack in Australia. Mm. Mm. Um, and I know that over the last year or so, there have been enormous demonstrations, for example, um, in support of the rights of refugees. There have also been sort of smaller, um, more targeted campaigns such as the Shut Down Yarlswood campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I follow a lot of that on social media and that um, seems to have quite a lot of momentum as well as longevity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, so you've also you've got this stuff happening on the ground, mass demonstrations, you've got... Um, um, smaller campaigns, and you also have something that seems to be actually approaching a parliamentary debate, or at least levels of parliamentary support, again, which we just don't have mm. in Australia. Um, yeah, I mean, there there are lots of things that I'm sure we're going to talk about in the next half hour, um, mm-hmm. but how, how do you see yourself fitting into all of those things that are going on in the UK at the moment?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is very exciting. Um, the, you mentioned uh, Yarlswood, uh, the, the protests. Um, uh, I mean, this is uh, something, I mean, Yarlswood has been open for a very long time and there's been campaigns against, uh, for the closure of Yarlswood since, since I think about 2001, but really the refugee movement that we see now in Britain is, it feels very new and it's definitely something that has surged in the last, um, really in the last half year um and um, there are I think um, uh, there are I think very strong political opportunities for us um, as, as Australians and um, and in terms of the kind of refugee campaigning we we kind of want to promote um, the the, the, the British situation is very different, I think, to Australia's. There is a very different conversation going on in some ways. Um, the, the experience of, um, I guess, free movement uh, across Europe is a lived experience. So people actually um, kind of understand it on some level as to what migration within Europe looks like and how that functions and how that sort of supports Different countries in different ways, and then of course there's a reaction against that too. So there's a it's kind of coming from a, from a slightly different place. Um, what what's kind of um, be, what what's been kind of the building, I guess, the sort of uh, foundation of this surge recently. I mean, it's the crisis in Syria um, on the one hand, but also the ongoing uh, humanitarian disaster in Calais, and mm. that has seen. Yeah a huge outpouring of, um, of solidarity and people organising themselves at the local community level to basically run eight convoys to Calais and to assist in various ways with, um, uh, w- w- with uh, people's, you know, people's survival there. Um, so it's happening under quite diffic- difficult circumstances and um, I feel, though, that the intersections that we have are amazingly strong. I mean, Yarlswood is run by Serco.
1: So sorry just for our listeners who may not know Yarswood is a detention center that operates in the UK. Sorry. That's right. It's
0: actually technically a detention removal center. So people get placed there right before they're meant to be deported and uh, and and in and, and they fight while they're in there for it to stay. So there's legal, you know, there's that sort of legal avenues that people can pursue and sometimes people are there for for a very long time. Um, so, uh, Movement for Justice uh, is a group uh, that's been leading uh, convergences outside Yaleswood and uh, and and very uh, a lot of former f- uh, f- former detainees are involved in that movement. Um, a lot of African women are involved mm-hmm. in the in the movement, and it is a very um, uh, exciting uh, thing to see. Um, now because it's a Serco run centre and because Serco is a British company and Serco has also benefited from a lot of um, conservative um, outsourcing policies um, you know tying with austerity and budget cuts and ways of selling off bits of the health system to, to the highest bidder and I mean things like that have been, um, I mean Serco is not in a in a great position I would say um, in, in, in some ways um, given that Virtually the entirety of their um, profits now rely on Australia's, um, their Australian detention centres. So I think British people would be very interested, British activists would be very interested to connect up with what we're doing here in a way. And we should be having those conversations about how we can actually do things like campaign against Serco across, you know, multinational, um, have a multinational strategy. That sort of... um, uh, that that we use against Serco. So I mean, I, f- I, f- I feel that there's very many opportunities of that sort that we can, we can, we can think about and talk about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, um, one thing you mentioned is a really important point. Sort of the the increased collaboration and internationalization of of activists. Um, mm. And one thing that that I've noticed in particular that's going on in the UK, you mentioned Calais, which obviously is getting Mm. quite a lot of media attention, Um, but there's almost like a seems to be this this endless back-and-forth convoy of activists and um, people who wouldn't even necessarily call themselves activists. They're just interested in, as you said, helping people survive, mm-hmm. who are going not just to Calais, but they're going to Dunkirk, they're going mm-hmm. to various parts of Greece, yep. and people are also coming over into the UK who are activists who might have had experiences with, um, yeah, I guess, helping out in those refugee camps and that that's a really um i guess that's that in and of itself can help provide a counter pivot to some of the racism and islamophobia that um is characterizing i guess the other side of the polarization we've been talking about you know the mass movements and um the more the more targeted campaigns like yarl's would. but as you said there is um also a reaction to that these mm-hmm. these right-wing forces i've been reading for example about um some of the horrific stuff that's going on in Calais, where you have fascists and racists who come in and attack the camp, and they're backed up by French police who mm-hmm. throw tear gas canisters in.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty horrific. Um, it's kind of hard to. Um, I mean, there's a, there's exciting things happening in in a broader European on, on a broader European scale. I mean, the removal of um, rescue services from from. Um, uh, the Mara Nostrum operation that that mm. that w- that ended. I mean, people dubbed Britain's stand in that um, the "let them drown" policy because I mean that's effectively what it what it came down to. Um, and I think so that
1: Australia can hold its head in shame. Can, we we have a lot of influence over. Um, other governments trying to adopt our policies with that.
0: That's right. And a few months ago, um, Tony Abbott went to to spoke at the Margaret Thatcher uh, Society's um, conference, I believe, and he um, basically advocated Australia's approach to uh, towing back the boats as a cornerstone of what Europe should be doing. Now, I mean, things in Europe are bad enough um, and the people are drowning at sea already largely as a result of the withdrawal of, of, of rescue services. And I mean, like, uh, the interesting thing is what's happening as a result. And I mean, one of the things that's happening is that there's an increasing number of um, civil rescue operations that have been kind of almost crowdfunded by people and 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 big um uh, there's a there's a uh, a project called the migrant offshore aid station, for instance, which is a big um, new new initiative that's been launched from Malta, and I mean things like that are, are, are also happening. So it, it it is a very kind of um, complex and shifting terrain at the moment, and it's hard to see kind of which way it goes. But it really that that thing you said about polarization is 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 key. I think I mean there is a very big gulf between um, what the what governments are doing on the one hand, and then what um, sort of solidarity uh, activists are doing, and then also what sort of um, populist leftist alternatives are sort of saying. So, in the in the case of Britain, I mean, what the the way that Labour has actually positioned itself on the on the right side of this debate is 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 very heartening. Um, so, um, I think one thing that Australia can contribute, though, uh, I mean, we have. A long experience of fighting this uh, for for refugee rights. Uh, I mean, we we've been doing this for over twenty years, and I mean, as much as we can say how um, how it, you know, in one way, we can look at it and see it as a as a as a sort of story of, um, of of going backwards in some ways. But when we look at what we do have, we have experience, we have campaigns that have really outlived pretty much every other social movement, maybe with the exception of Aboriginal rights, sort of, act, you know, uh, activism in Australia, I can't think of anything else that has sort of sustained itself for this long. And this whole infrastructure and this whole sort of um, uh, strengthening of it, I think is pretty... Uh, uh, looking at it from the outside, it it, it it it's something that I think inspires people abroad. And I think that we can do more with that too to actually make those connections and, and, and sort of... Share what we know and how we how we have campaigned over the last twenty years and also the lessons that are in that and and the mistakes that were made because that will help us all.
1: We're speaking with Carol Florek. Carol is a Polish born Australian who has spent the last fifteen months in England and is a member of Australians and Allies Overseas Against Mandatory Detention and he's speaking with us this morning about the refugee rights campaign um, in the UK and I guess more more broadly across Europe as well so welcome back Carol and thanks for being with us again today. One of the other things I I wanted to ask you about I guess we're talking a lot about um, movements and in particular the the refugee rights movement one thing that I have been lamenting, I suppose, in Australia is almost nobody, including from from right from the top um, echelons of parliamentary politics down to, I guess, you know, the real politic of what could be happening on the streets. Mm. When Australia went to war in Syria, almost nobody batted an eyelid. Um, and this was despite, I guess... Um, the fact that we have had, as you were saying, a refugee rights movement that has shown a lot of longevity despite hardships, um, it was it was pretty disheartening to not really have anyone um, raise this as, as an issue almost when it, it's clearly so related to um, to refugees and the forced movement of people across the globe. But I know that in the UK it was a very, very different story. Mm. There were... You know, explosive parliamentary debates. There were huge protests on the street. Did you want to maybe tell us a little bit about what that was like being involved in those?
0: Yeah. So I was uh, I was at a few of those protests um, at uh, outside um, uh, Westminster uh, when the war vote happened itself, and um, uh, there were there were also local local protests at the community level that were happening in various cities, um, and a very very big. Um, lobbying campaign that was initiated by Stop the War, uh, which was very impressive because what what Stop the War was able to do was, um, I think they were managed to send about a thousand emails to e- people. Sent about a thousand emails to every Labour MP. Um, so it was a it was a pre- it was a pressure campaign aimed at at the Labour Party and um, aimed at in particular the sort of dissident um, uh, Labour members who were. Um, Really, sort of siding with the with with the Tories um, uh, over the war vote as a way of, primarily as a way of destabilising uh, Corbyn's leadership, and that was a way um, that the right within the UK Labour Party was sort of using using the war as a as a sort of as a weapon, quite literally internally. Um, that was in many ways a move that drove a lot of the the anger um, on the street. Um, because people are kind of fed up with this type of establishment politics of you know and 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 the the, the contradictions in terms of the um, the logic for bombing Syria are so enormous you can drive a you know drive a truck through them and really it takes someone quite sense you know it's really quite just a sensible argument to really say hold on a second what is the what what's what's dropping more bombs on Syria meant to achieve if we're already, you know, telling, we're not not accepting refugees if we're, you know, if we've got this whole kind of um, politics of excluding people. And um, on the other hand, there's a a politics of supporting regimes like Saudi Arabia, supporting the uh, selling arms to Saudi Arabia, supporting the counterinsurgency of Turkey against the, the Kurdish rebellion. I mean, things like that are sort of foreign policy that is really contradictory in many ways and bombing Syria is sort of not really doesn't really uh solve anything it creates more problems and I feel in a way the success of that that uh, the I mean Britain is bombing Syria the, the the campaign has in a way failed but it is an ongoing ongoing sort of um uh it hasn't gone away, and I feel like the the recent protests that have uh, that have happened uh, have been quite quite inspiring. Just to see that people have continued to keep the pressure on, and um, so yeah, I mean, none of it's going away. Um, and and really, what it's done is exposed the sort of fault lines in terms of British um, foreign policy and how it ties into a lot of the I guess um, how it creates a lot of the problems rather than solves solves them, I guess, which is something that a lot of us have been saying all along. But now it's sort of something that becomes quite apparent to to, to British people in the world, which is really good.
1: Well, look, that's just about all we have time for. (laughs) And I'd really, really like to keep talking with you, Carol. And thank you so much for joining us. Kids. I've been your host Amanda. This has been 3CR's Refugee Radio. And to take us out, this is from a compilation called Songs for Desert Refugees, which showcases Malian bands. This is by Tinaruan, and the song is called Amu Idrat Asuf Dalwa.